everybody. Welcome to the Creepy Campfire Podcast. Sorry we suck and forgot to drop something on Halloween. Yeah, our bad. But it's okay. We're going to make up for it. Jordan's got an awesome tale for the campfire today. What do you have for us, Jordan? Today's episode is going to be based on um, an heiress named Dorothy Arnold. Uh, This is going to be our first uh, missing persons case. Um, they won't all turn out the same, I'm sure, but this one uh, piqued my interest. Um, it's about a woman named Dorothy Arnold. It's uh, it's a little bit older. It's from 1910, mm-hmm. but it is still unsolved to this day. Okay. What uh, what about this piqued your interest? Because I've never heard about this. Um, I mean, I so with your suggestion, I looked up um, just missing, just more notable missing missing person cases. And um, this was this was on like the top ten the, on one of the lists that I found, but uh, but I just I liked the the time frame and the the some of the circumstances involved and it just kind of seemed mysterious and I liked the fact that it still hadn't been solved. I mean you know you would hope for the for some kind of resolution and of course at the end of this it'll all be our speculation. Mm-hmm. But um, just brings me back to the good old days of unsolved mysteries. Yeah. Yeah, so it just seemed like fun. Plus, we've already done a couple that were not necessarily tied up so pretty, so we are continuing that that, that trail. So that far. theme of messy endings, <laughs> of, of yeah, of uh, of you know, not necessarily conclusive um, situations. Gotcha. Um, but uh, so how this will kind of go? We'll give you a little bit. Of, I'll give you a little bit of background, first and foremost. Give you a little uh, picture, paint a picture of her, of kind of her family, her upbringing, because it plays a lot into. Um, the whole the whole situation about why about potential reasons she could have gone missing um so she disappeared on july 1st in 1910 uh from manhattan new york she was declared dead in absentia uh years later and that what that means is that um she was legally declared dead without necessarily physical proof okay Um, what was that term again uh, uh death dead in absentia absentia okay yeah so it can be like if if it's if a missing person's case goes on for however long and you know it's she was born in what did we what did we just it was 133 years it would have been so 18 89 or something like that something yeah around there late 1880s so she there's no way she could be alive today so they're like she's she's dead obviously but we just don't necessarily know how Mm -hmm. um so she was she was an American socialite and heiress uh, who disappeared while walking on Fifth Avenue in New York City, which was at the time especially a very popular, I mean, still to this day, it's still a very popular street. So mm-hmm. it's not very common for people to have gone missing around Central Park there. Um, the circumstances surrounding her disappearance have never been resolved and her fate remains unknown. So like I said, we know she's dead, but we don't know why or how. Um she was the second of four children. Uh, she was a daughter of per, uh, perfume importer Francis Rose Arnold and his wife Mary Martha Parks Arnold. That's a very niche industry, perfume importer. Perfume importers, yeah. Back yeah. when uh, all of the jobs out there were like, it was there was definitely a class. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you're upper still. echelon if you're perfume importer. Well, they what do they say? They say that her family was listed on the social register. Oh. So to have there be a list of like specific socialites in that day and age mm-hmm. like you had to have some a be of a certain class i'm assuming which i mean i've never been to that area but i i am under the understanding that the new england area it all it has it's very very people care about old money mm-hmm. i guess is a way to put that but then again i guess you could kind of say that about anywhere because i grew up in the south and like it, it there's old money there too i mean I'm well and what we'd be calling old money right now in their day and ages was just money was just <laughs> current money i mean they might have been i'm sure they you know she so her dad was a perfume importer so they're probably coming from money yeah because a lot of things happen through uh uh what do they call that when you hire somebody that's in the family it's that specific term oh um is it nepotism jordan nepotism 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 <laughs> now you get to sound smart <laughs> thanks google um okay so uh, yeah, I would assume that a lot of things back then, at least like job or career-wise, were acquired through some sort of nepotism, or because you're obviously your family was already in some sort of like again the caste system that still. Uh, but see, like I feel like early then. nepotism 
I don't feel like it was a bad thing. Like, you, because owning your own business, I feel, was a lot more common mm-hmm. back in those days. So it's only natural. Like, you start a business, who's the easiest people to bring in as employees is but your family. Yeah. And, and the government, I don't think that's necessarily a great idea. But Well, know, and there was a lot less saturation in the market overall. I mean, there was just less people, less business ideas out there. It's well, not, you couldn't you know, get on the internet and order exactly. something from across the world. You, you yeah. had to go to your local there local weren't self-starters store. every other day. Yeah. You know, something popping up literally every day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, okay. So so her parents were from some money. Um, she had two younger, younger siblings, uh, Dan Hinckley and Marjorie Brewster. Um, her father, Francis, was a Harvard University graduate who is a partner of F.R. Arnold & Company, which imported fancy goods. Which that's that's all they gave <laughs> that's me was it, fancy, fancy goods. goods? <laughs> uh, so I'm assuming besides perfume, maybe um, I don't know, like maybe Swan fine clothing neck, or um, <laughs> anything. <laughs> um, maybe music or alcohol or uh, paraphernalia of sorts back then. I'm not sure, uh, but fancy goods. Um, her aunt Henry Harriet uh, Maria Arnold was married to Supreme Court Justice Rufus W. Peckham. Um, they were descendants of English passengers. Peckham. 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 Try not to laugh. At we're going to leave that one Pe- there. Peckham one more time. <laughs> uh, so um, they were all descendants of English passengers who arrived in America on the Mayflower, of course. Oh, um, old money, I'm telling you. Old money. Well, yeah, like original money. Uh, Arnold's mother hailed from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Uh, and, do, and again, due to their social standing, the family was listed in the social register. So I'm assuming that that just means that just they're in the upper echelon of yeah. um, society, societal ranks. Yeah. They had money and people cared about it. Mm-hmm. Um, she was she was well-educated. She went to the Velton School for Girls in New York City. And, and this is Dorothy, right? This is uh, Dorothy Arnold, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so she went to Velton School for Girls in New York City and then attended Bryn Mawr College, where she majored in literature and language, mm-hmm. uh, from which she graduated in 1905. Uh, after graduating, she continued to live at their family home at 108 East 79th Street and attempted to begin a gr- uh, career as a writer. She wanted to be a writer, hmm. uh, which her family did not necessarily support. Mm-hmm. Again, because they didn't think she'd be able to make a living at it. And well, in writing, I mean, especially back then, unless you were a known mm-hmm. author, it's, there there wasn't a lot of prestige in it. Well, yeah, and if your family is already known for doing one thing, then they usually back in the day would have you kind of just carry yeah. that mantle. You, you go know? in the family business, exactly. Um, but she didn't want to do that. She had her own. She had her own ideas, uh, apparently. Um, in spring of 1910, she submitted a short story to McClure's magazine, which was rejected, uh, which apparently she was, I mean, obviously not very happy about, but, um, she kept, she kept working on her, on her writing career. Um, her friends and family who were largely amused by her as her, uh, writing aspirations, didn't think that she'd make a career out of it, teased her about that rejection. Um, this prompted Arnold to rent a post office box to receive correspondence from magazines and publishing houses. Uh, and then she submitted a second short story not long after called The Poinsettia and the Flame in November of 1910. Hmm. Oh, yeah, just later that year. Um, that story was also rejected. So she's she's two for two. I gotta say that the title rejections. makes it sound appealing. Like, I would read the something called that. Yeah. Sounds like a good movie. I don't know if it's like a sh- okay so yeah it's a short story but apparently it it never even made it into the paper or whatever she was trying to get it published so mm-hmm. um, according to Arnold to according to her friends the second rejection left her dejected and embarrassed um, two months before she disappeared she asked her father if she could take an apartment in Greenwich Village uh, so she could continue to write the dad, Francis, um, her dad, forbade Dorothy to move out of the family home, telling her that a good writer can write anywhere. So she continued to pursue the writing career, but found no success. So that's just kind of a little bit of a background on her, what she wanted to do, why her family didn't necessarily support it, mm-hmm. uh, which all kind of plays into potential reasoning um, mm-hmm. that we'll go into. That's all important, too, because... It, it's just documentation that she exists, yeah. which I know sounds silly, 
but a lot of times, especially in these types of cases, people <laughs> argue that some, maybe this person didn't even exist, that it was, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Or like, why why be bothered? Why why necessarily care about it? What was so interesting about her? Why are we doing this? Yeah. You know, what, what clout did she have? Which even if someone had no clout and you were just a street sweeper, but you went missing, that's still terrible. Yeah, but you want some backstory on her. You yeah. want to like know who she is before you go into it. Yeah. Um, which so now we'll go into the disappearance. Um, so on the morning of December twelfth, nineteen ten, she uh, Dorothy informed her mother that she was going to go shopping for a dress to wear to her younger sister Marjorie's upcoming debutante party. You know, rich people having their debutante parties. Them debutantes. Yeah. Um. So. Her, her mom, uh, Mary Frances, offered to go with her, but she declined telling her that she would call her if she found a Hold suitable on. dress. I'm still caught up on the debutante. Is that like a quinceanera? I don't know. A debutante. I don't know if that's like an old school. Um, or is it like, hi, my daughter's old enough to marry, wink, wink. Some nice gentleman come through and marry my daughter. Wink, yeah, because that was still a huge thing, like the arranged marriages and all that back then. Yeah. Um trying to find her a suitor maybe no yeah. uh but there's there's like there's debutante balls are not they're not like unheard of currently too like i don't i'm not necessarily sure what they entail but i don't know if they're like somewhat fashion shows or just kind of well, you definitely try to off. go all out yeah yeah so but isn't that any party really yeah to whatever extent but um so she she said that she would call her um, if she found a dress that she liked. And she left the house around 11 a.m., according to the Arnold family, with approximately 25 or $30 uh, on her person, which in today's, um, it, you know, in today's currency would be 657 to $788. So she walked with a bit of money that day, like looking to go get a dress. Um, she walked from her home on 79th Street to Park and Tilford store at the corner of 5th Avenue and 27th Street. She charged a half-pound box of chocolates to her account, placed the candy in her in her muff nearby Ben Brentano's bookstore. So first of all, stop there for a second. Yes, please. She she got a half a pound of chocolate. <laughs> yep. So she left with a lot of money. Yep. She picks up a bunch of chocolate yep because a half pound's nothing small yep and just puts that in her bag and goes goes about her day i don't know where she intended to go with this chocolate if she was if she had plans but isn't that kind of how you bought things in 1910 a little bit more in bulk than we do now potentially i mean it doesn't say how much you know like how much that would have cost or how much it charged her i also think it's funny she she charged it to her account when she was walking around with essentially six seven hundred dollars yeah but i mean maybe it's she she had her own money and then you know with her family's name she could go around and kind of be like yeah uh, put it on put it on the arnold account or whatever tabs were much more of a thing back then because people were much more trusted (laughs) yeah your your early credit your early credit days yeah um or like they knew where you lived and they were like they would send people after you okay so let me get this straight so the debutante ball is coming up. It's not here yet. Yeah, and it's so her, she, and it's it's in honor of her, well, not in honor of, but her it's her it's her sister's event that she's looking for a dress for because she's going to accompany her. Yeah. So she's out on the town mm-hmm. getting chocolate on the hunt for a dress. Yeah. Near Central Park. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep going. Um. So then she went to a bookstore that she frequented. Um. While she was there, she purchased engaged girl sketches. A book of humorous essays by Emily Calvin Blake. Oh. Um, Light reading. Yeah, just a couple, of, just a couple <laughs> books, and I guess some, some drawings. Um, the clerks who waited on her in both stores uh, later said that she was courteous and did not exhibit any unusual behavior. Because again, this is this is the day that she disappeared, supposedly. Um, outside of the bookstore, she ran into a friend of hers named Gladys King. And King recalled... Gladys. Never trust anyone named Gladys. Gladys, yeah. Well, I feel like that was a much more common name back then, though. 
Like never trust anybody named Gladys. I've never personally met anybody named Gladys. Do you think about that though? Like you meet people's grandmas and you're like, I how did you? How are you eight years old with that name? Like bless my grandmother's right? soul, but her first name was Ethel, and I cannot think of anyone having a good time at the age of nine with the name of Ethel. You can't think of anybody below than the age of sixty named Ethel or like or just Gladys. A, oh, cute little Ethel. Yeah. Like it, I don't. Mm, mm. You name you you named your kid an old an old person's name. Yeah. That's just what it is. Uh, I mean, I I I'm, I very much understand. Like I, I get your meaning because I again I've never met an Ethel or a Gladys. I've definitely heard those names, but only mm-hmm. in reference to people from decades ago. Yeah, but that goes for a couple names, a couple other ones. Oh, there's many. Anyways, <laughs> um, okay, so. Uh, from King's recollection, she said that the two spoke briefly about Marjorie, uh, which was um, Dorothy's sister, the one that the party was going to be for. They spoke about the debutante party and that Arnold and that uh, Dorothy seemed in good spirits. Um, she, Gladys, then excused herself uh, to meet her mother for lunch at the Waldorf Astoria, which is I don't know some some restaurant back there. This is in New York. I've never been. Have you ever been in New York? No, I've been as far north. As Jersey. Oh, okay. So yeah. close, but Pit- no cigar. Well, maybe Philly's closer. I don't know. I was in I South Jersey. I was in South Jersey. So I think That's Philly's right closer. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I've not been on the East Coast A at couple all, hours but. away. That's about as close as I got. Yeah. <laughs> um, so King recalled that Arnold told her she was going to walk home through Central Park. Um, King last saw Arnold on 27th Street shortly before 2 p.m. when she turned to wave goodbye to her for a second time. It's the last time that apparently anybody had seen her. It's the last li- account of uh, of Dorothy Arnold's person. Um, by early evening, Arnold had failed to return home for dinner, as she never missed meals without informing her family. The um, the family became worried. They started calling Arnold's friends, or Dorothy Arnold, sorry, it just has her last name, uh, Dorothy Arnold's friends to find her whereabouts, but no one had seen her. Shortly after midnight on December 13th, this is back to, um, okay, so this is like a, so a day later, um, after midnight on December 13th, because she disappeared on the 12th, December 12th. Okay, so from in the beginning when I say that she disappeared on July 1st. She didn't. She disappeared on December 12th. So, shortly after midnight on December 13th, the day after, Elsie Henry, one of Dorothy's friends, phoned the family to see if she had returned. Henry laid... So, Henry is... um, She said that Arnold's mother, Mary answered the telephone and told her that Dorothy had returned home when she hadn't. Wait, who said that she had returned home? Her mom. Okay, so her mom is telling her... So her friend called to see if she was home. Gotcha. The mom lied and said that she did come home mm-hmm. when she hadn't shown up yet. This is a day a day later. Mm-hmm. Um, when the friend asked to speak to Dorothy, she hesitated and told her that um, she had gone to bed with a headache. Oh. So we're going to get... So that was kind of just like a deep... De- the most detailed description that they had of her disappearance. And then we'll go into the, this, this will be the investigation. I was um, about to say, did, well, when was a report filed? So that's, this is, that's the thing. It, it takes a while for everything to go on after that because yeah. the family didn't, didn't say anything. Didn't, didn't uh, have authorities to know or anything like that. She didn't inform anybody for a while because she thought it would be embarrassing to the family. More worried about embarrassed than where her kid is. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Cool. But they thought that she Which, could be. Which she's a woman at this point. Do mm-hmm. we do we know her age at this point? Um. So it's nineteen ten. If she was born in eighty nine, well, she'd only be early twenties. Okay. She's a woman. Yeah. But, but she's she's she's. You should still be worried about your woman daughter. You would think. Yeah. Um. So, so here we go. So fearing that their daughter's disappearance would draw unwanted media attention it become, and could become socially embarrassing, the family did not report her disappearance to the family um, for weeks. It took them weeks. 
However, the morning following Arnold's Dorothy Arnold's disappearance, the family did contact John S. Keith, a family friend and lawyer, um, which who, so he came over and he searched her bedroom, trying to find out like if they could like do it internally, mm-hmm. so they didn't have it out out and about for everybody to know. Right. So if they found any notes, like oh yeah, I ran off to that house I told you I wanted to rent anyway. Yeah. So Things they like almost that. essentially hired like a private investigator that was a yeah. friend of the family. Mm-hmm. Um. So he came and he searched her bedroom. He discovered um, that except for the outfit she was wearing, all of her clothes and other personal belongings were in her room. So it didn't look like she packed up to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also found personal letters with foreign postmarks in her desk, two folders for transatlantic steamliners, um, and burned papers in, in the fireplace. The burned papers were presumed to be the rejected manuscripts, uh, her, her writings that were rejected. Right. Um, over the next couple of weeks, he visited jails, hospitals, and morgues in New York City, Philadelphia, and Boston, but didn't find any sign of her. After that, he, um, after, you know, he, he couldn't find anything uh, after a while, he suggested that the family hire Pinkerton detectives to investigate. I don't know necessarily what the Pinkerton Society is. I'm playing Red Dead 2 right now. There's Pinkertons, like they're a thing in mm-hmm. that time. I don't know if that's just what they called the government in general. I know I've heard then. the name. Pinkertons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, so they do. They hire some some other investigators because apparently they're not as well known either, so they're not going to the, the media and telling them that their daughter is missing. Um, they also searched area hospitals and other places that she was known to go, uh, but they found no trace of her. They also questioned her friends and former college classmates about her whereabouts, but nobody had seen her. Um, as John Keith had found literature for the transatlantic steamliners in the room, they um, they theorized that she might have eloped with a man to Europe because she had a boyfriend uh, that the family also did not approve of. No. They searched uh, marriage records, but none were found with her name, so they didn't they didn't actually get married. Um, they also the, then like after that they actually went overseas. They paid them enough to go overseas, like abroad and try to find her still um We're really shoveling out money to these people yeah they had these they investigators had a, they had a lot of it i don't know i don't know how much but she was she they were well off um plenty of, a lot several women matching her physical description were found but her herself was not um between keith which was the the personal friend of the family and the pinkerton detectives they still couldn't find her uh, they persuaded Francis, which was her, which was Dorothy's father, uh, to call the police finally to get it out there. The police advised him to hold a press conference in order to get as much publicity as possible. He resisted the suggestion, but eventually agreed. That took them into the next month. So on January 25th, 1911, the reporters gathered at um, Francis Arnold's New York City office where he informed them of his daughter's disappearance and offered a $1,000 reward, which by today's standards would be $26,000. So it took him six months to hold a press conference. It was uh, one month. So not so remember, again, she didn't disappear in July. She disappeared in December, on oh. December 12th. On the 25th of January, he finally, he had let them do the investigations. Gotcha. I was still thinking the July. Yeah, but then he finally let the police know, mm-hmm. and now he's doing this press conference offering $26,000 to have her found. I thought you said $1,000. It's $1,000, but by today's standards, it's 26000 So that's <laughs> what that was equivalent to back then. A lot of money. Try to find her. Um, during the conference, reporters asked if it were possible that his daughter was still alive and had simply run away with a man because he didn't allow her to date. Because, again, you know, the arranged marriage thing back then was a thing. Um, He vehemently denied, uh, saying that he would have been glad to see her associate more with young men than she did, especially some young men of brains and position, which was, like, kind of a dig at her current boyfriend, Mm -hmm. or at least the one that she had when she disappeared. Yeah. He says he doesn't approve of young men who have nothing to do. Reporters soon discovered that Francis Arnold's comment was in reference to George Griscom Jr., which was Dorothy's boyfriend. Um, they had met at Bryn Mawr um, University, where they went, to, where she went to college, 
and who she was um, romantically involved with. He was a 42-year-old engineer who came from a wealthy Pennsylvania family with whom he still lived at the Kenmar Hotel in Pittsburgh. Reporters also discovered that in September of 1910, Arnold uh, Dorothy had lied to her parents and told them that she was going to visit a former Bryn Mawr classmate in Boston. Instead, she spent a week in a hotel with Griscom. I mean, technically, he was a classmate. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So she, <laughs> so she, she got around that one. Um, Still not okay. We don't condone. No, and neither did her parents. Um, so she shacked up with him for a week in a hotel, and her parents found out after she had pawned five hundred dollars worth of jewels to finance Ooh. to finance their week long stay. So they weren't staying at any small hotel. Well, no, but like to go that far to pawn some family jewels, right? Yeah. Uh, she, I, she must have been like a black sheep or something because apparently her and her family did not get along very well. No. Um, after returning home from that stint, her parents forbade her to continue the relationship with Griscom Jr. because they found him unsuitable. Despite her parents' appro- disapproval, uh, she continued to correspond with him, like write letters back and forth, and they saw each other for a final time in early November, shortly before Griscom Jr. left on a vacation with his parents. So a month before she disappeared was the last time that he saw her. Okay. Um, after his disappearance, after her disappearance, sorry, uh, George was found vacationing with his parents in Florence, Italy. The Arnold family sent him a telegram on December 16th asking for information about Dorothy's disappearance. So that's four days after she supposedly disappeared. Um, they sent him a telegram asking about it. And in return, he denied any knowledge of, of her whereabouts and claimed to know nothing of her disappearance. In early January 1911, um, uh, Dorothy's mother, Mary, and her brother, John, traveled to Italy by ship to forcibly interrogate him. They met him in his hotel in Italy on January 16th. And he continued to maintain that he had absolutely no idea where she was. I mean, was he at least worried though? Like, yeah, he was, he was worried and it, and it goes a little further into that. Okay. But, just making sure. But he doesn't you, know where she is. If you told me my girlfriend's missing, I wouldn't just be like, nope, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd be like, well, do we know? Is she okay where she was? Let's figure you know. it out. Right. Yeah. Um, so they, she, they demanded that, um, he give them, any letters that she had written him so that they could try to find clues, I suppose. Um, but he said that he destroyed all of them, I guess, uh, upon the return to on his, upon his return to the United States in February of 1911, uh, he told the press that he intended to marry Arnold uh, Dorothy once she was found and on the condition that her mother approved of the marriage. Mary later told reporters she would never approve of them two being together. In the months following the announcement of Dorothy Arnold's disappearance, George Griscom Jr. spent thousands of dollars in ads in major newspapers asking her to come home, mm. thinking that she was just out and about, mm-hmm. just not being home. Yeah. Um, so there are some rumors, some theories, and some alleged sightings, because apparently they had a lot of people calling in claiming to be her and, oh. just, and saying that she was just out and about wherever just kind of living her own life yeah um in the days following the announcement of dorothy arnold's disappearance the police distributed circulars with her picture physical description and information about the reward throughout the united states canada and mexico so that was that thousand dollar award uh new york times continued to cover the story on a near daily basis and the the publicity led to investigators receiving calls from people across the united states who claimed to have seen arnold dorothy um, they were investigated, but all proven false. Um, the family also received two ransom notes from alleged kidnappers who demanded upwards of $5,000 for her return. And those claims also proved to be just hoaxes. Um, by the end of January of 1911, the police said that they still believed that Arnold was alive and would return on her own accord. Her family, however, said that they had come to believe that she had died. Around this time, Francis, which was Dorothy's father, told the press that he believed from the start that his daughter had been attacked and killed while walking home through the park that day and that her body had been thrown into the reservoir. 
he cited two clues, which he would not publicly disclose, that confirmed his suspicions. Um, but police dismissed his theory because in the days leading up to her disappearance, the temperature in New York City was below 21 degrees and the reservoir was frozen solid. So there's no way that she would have washed up in there because she would just be essentially laying on top of it if somebody had thrown mm. her in there. But please tell me that he tells us his clues later. I'm dying to know. I don't... You no, know, you don't get the clues. You uh, never get the clues. They never, they never published them. Maybe he did it. That's why he has... May, uh, maybe. Because, again, she was black sheep. Maybe he didn't approve of and like, it would her, make, her lifestyle. It would make even more sense to me if the lake was frozen. You hear about in the Great Lakes people getting tossed out there all the time. Mm-hmm. Like ice fishermen, you just cut a hole open, drop them down, there you go. Well, yeah, I could see that. That'd be a lot of work. I mean, it's worth it to not get caught for murder. And you, But you would think you'd get noticed in this. In the, I've never been to Central Park, like I said, but I'm assuming it was well... Like, it was still pretty popular. Like, a lot of people walking oh, throughout. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a huge park. Oh, yeah. But you would think that... I mean, I don't know. If it's anything like Golden Gate, then maybe there are some areas where you could be, like, completely hidden from public view. I would just assume middle of the night. A lot yeah. of people's not... Like, they're smart enough to not ask questions and just keep walking. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah. You would think. Um, but... Uh, when the reservoir thawed... The police did search it, but they didn't find a body. Mm. So, no ice fishing. <laughs> no ice fishing. Um, so, more theories and rumors regarding her disappearance continued to arise. One theory was that she had slipped on an icy sidewalk, struck her head, and was in a hospital with total amnesia. Um, the theory didn't pan out but because wait, there was no... didn't one of the investigators, he went to like all the prisons, hospitals, and all that and mm-hmm. checked that out? That's what I'm getting to right now. It didn't pan out because there were no women matching her description in area hospitals who had sustained a concussion. Other theories arose that Arnold had been drugged and abducted, but that theory was considered unlikely as she was the last, or she was last seen on a busy street in mid-afternoon. Um, George, her boyfriend George Griscom Jr., theorized that he that she had committed suicide because she was um, despondent or. Uh, well, yeah, she's going through some career failure. Yeah, because she was depressed about her failings as far as her, her family hates career. her man. Yeah, her family doesn't approve of her relationship. She doesn't approve of her family. Yeah. Um, Got this big debutante ball to go try to find a dress for. Finding a dress is stressful. Any man that shopped with his wife <laughs> knows how stressful that can be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I would assume, well, I mean, hopefully she wouldn't commit suicide over a dress, but. No. Maybe, just, maybe maybe over all the of icing those things on combined. the cake. She was like, you know what? Yeah, not worth the stress. I can't find it today. It's just it's better I not go, right? <laughs> um, but he so he says that after her second uh, rejection, she had wrote she had written a letter to him expressing her disappointment over her failed writing career and alluded to suicide, stating, "Well, it's come back as far as so it's been rejected." Um, McClure has turned me down and failure stares me, stares me in the face. All I can see ahead is a long road with no turning. Mother will always think an accident has happened. Some of, oh, I guess, so I guess that's the end of their correspondence, but she's like calling herself an accident and a failure. And she's telling this to George. Yeah. She had written a letter to him. I thought George destroyed all the, or is this like an unreached letter that didn't make it to him? So it's not a letter that they found. He's saying, he's saying that she wrote a letter. So this is his. He's like, yeah, I was reading this and this is what she wrote. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, after that second failure, the second rejection. Okay. Um, some of Arnold's family, uh, and friends also said that they believed she committed suicide, but felt she killed herself because of her relationship with Griscom and because it was faltering in their opinion Mm. like not going so well um the new york world also supported this reasoning after they discovered that andrew griscom a cousin of her boyfriend had jumped to his death from an ocean liner after he had been forbidden to marry an english governess so there was already suicide in the midst but that doesn't necessarily mean that she took her own life no just means she it was in the atmosphere it had occurred yeah. around her. And it happened in her boyfriend's family, too. Yeah. Um, in early February of 1911, Francis, the, the father, received a postcard signed Dorothy 
bearing a New York City postmark that read, I am safe. While the writing matched his daughter's, Francis said he believed that someone else had copied her handwriting from samples that were featured in the newspaper and that the postcard was nothing more than a cruel joke. Shortly after this, the city police announced that they had decided to stop investigating her disappearance, saying they believed she was dead. And the uh, New York City Deputy Police Commissioner, William J. Flynn, stated that the that now it seems the only reasonable way of looking at the case um, the girl had now been missing for 75 days and all that time not a single clue had been found that was worth the name they had no evidence no evidence that a crime had been committed and the case is now of more of a missing person and nothing more um police continued to investigate reports of sightings but none led to none led to dorothy herself one of the more widespread rumors was that she had become pregnant had sought an abortion and had died during or after a botched procedure um, and had been secretly buried or cremated, mm-hmm. which I could see uh, potentially. I'm, I'm sure that, that the procedures weren't necessarily as maybe sterile or up to date or safe in general in comparison to today's standards. Um, the rumor gained some credibility when in early April of 1916, in a legal, so this is years later, an illegal abortion clinic operating out of the basement of a home in Bellevue, Pennsylvania was raided by police. The clinic was run by Dr. C.C. Meredith and became notoriously known as the House of Mystery after numerous women from the area went missing after visiting the clinic. Oh, wow. One of the doctors who worked at the clinic, Dr. H.E. Lutz, testified to the district attorney that Dr. Meredith told him that Dorothy Arnold had died there after experiencing complications from an abortion. So somebody who ran it said that she had come through and that mm-hmm. she had died there. Um, Dr. Lutz claimed that like many of the women who had undergone abortions at that clinic and died, her body was buried in the, or was burned in the furnace. Well, the New York yeah. district attorney said he believed that Arnold had died at the clinic. Francis Arnold said he thought the story was ridiculous and absolutely untrue. Um, the family attorney, John Keith, who was also the guy who was doing the investigating, told the media to that two months after Dorothy disappeared, he got a tip from an attorney in Pittsburgh that she was in a local sanitarium. And he claimed that he and two detectives traveled to Pittsburgh, but discovered that the woman was not Dorothy, which a sanitarium is much like an asylum. Yeah, it's exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's just another name for just clarifying. So we might not all know that. Yeah. So a lot of potential. So we're talking, Maybe she had an abortion and died. Yeah, like a botched a botched abortion. Maybe she offed herself somehow. Potential Not really suicide. sure how, but somehow. Um, she might have just ran away. There's still an option that she went to Europe with her boyfriend, and he never... Maybe she died over there, and he never said anything. Maybe he killed her. Maybe. Um, yeah, but they never found any proof to that, to that end either. Mm-hmm. Um... But there are there are some more theories. Okay. Um, later in April 1916, again, this is a couple years later, a convicted felon named Edward Glen- Glenoris, Glenor- Glenoris, uh, who was then, it's G-L-E-N-N-O-R-I-S. Glenoris? I'd, good job. We'll go with that. <laughs> uh, he was imprisoned... Um, in Rhode Island for attempted extortion claimed that he was paid $250 to bury the body of a young woman in December of 1910. And he claimed that an acquaintance known only as little Louie hired him to drive a woman. <laughs> little little Louie. Louie. Yeah. <laughs> don't mess with little Louie. Don't, don't do it. Little Louie got the big hammer. The little names that they would be <laughs> slapped with back in the day. <laughs> little Louie. Um, that he had hired him to drive a woman from a home in New Rochelle, New York, to West Point, New York. At the home at the at the home in New Rochelle, Glenoris Glenoris Glenoris. <laughs> Such a weird name. Uh, said that he and little Louie were met by two men, one of whom was named Doc and the other and another that Glenoris described as wealthy and well dressed. And that description matched George Griscom which was the boyfriend. 
so that potentially he had somebody maybe uh, off offer and get rid of her for for some unknown reason. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of is why would George do that? Yeah. I mean, you're having little getaways. Unless George had, had a girl and she was like his side girl. <laughs> like, well, because like they would meet up. Like, because mm-hmm. they're, they're only corresponding through letters. They're mm-hmm. meeting up at a hotel. For a week at a time. Maybe, maybe that's why he burned the letters because maybe letters were coming through and he didn't want his potential wife or someone. Maybe not wife because the family would know if he was married. Whoever else he's potentially involved with. Whatever suitor he's with. Yeah. yeah. He didn't want them to find out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, all all things, all things that I've that I've thought that I've thought about, but again, are it's so inconclusive. I, all of these stories, we have to get we have to get a really satisfactory ending soon. You've got to, we've got to find one that we're like. But then it's not a mystery. T- oh, that's true. I mean, I can I can give you a story that has from one person's perspective a very clear ending yeah it might be a loon that thinks they got (laughs) abducted by aliens now they might perfectly have been no offense Mm -hmm. but it a conclusory and conclusive conclusive thank you it's conclusory Maybe. Maybe once upon a time it was a word. A definitive end of the story from one person's perspective might not be the all-encompassing, agreed-upon ending. Yeah. Because one person might be like, yeah, I got abducted, got probe shoved up me, and then they dropped me off at my house. And someone else might be like, George was in his bed all night. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. So there's so many potential. Yeah. So much potential. So it makes it fun. You, You just get to drift off into tangent land. And just think about it until you can't, that you shouldn't think about it anymore. You just loop and loop and loop. Yeah, I know, because it's dark too. Um, Okay, so back to Glenoris and little Louie. Um, They loaded an unconscious woman into the car and drove her to a house in Weehawken, New Jersey. During the drive, Glenoris said that little Louie told him that she was uh, Dorothy Arnold. Glenoris also said that he recognized her and was able to identify a signet ring on her index finger of her left hand that matched a ring that she owned. Um, I don't know how he would know that. Like a random dude would know of an heiress's ring and be able to identify her by it. Well, but then you have, I mean, like family... Like family crests and family. Like that's one thing. Oh, so if that's maybe if if that's what a signet is, if that's a ring like bearing an insignia. Yeah, like that's what I was insignia. thinking. Is like maybe there's like a some kind of family emblem on the ring or yeah. something like that. Because I feel like it was especially for families like that like more common. Yeah, something along those lines. Bore her last name or the the family's last name or something. Yeah. Um. So he said he was able to identify her, and that that was definitely her. Um. The next day, little Louie contracted him to finish the job. Upon returning to Weehawken, the man, who, the man whom Glenoris identified as Doc informed them that the woman had died at the home during an operation. So maybe, again, because it, it doesn't specify, maybe Still again a possibly abortion. Abortion, potentially. Because yeah. I don't think she was getting plastic surgery or anything in that day and age. Um... Glenora said that he and little Louie then drove the woman's body back to the home in New Rochelle, wrapped the body in a sheet, and buried it in the cellar. Police followed up on Glenora's story and excavated the cellars of several homes in the area, but not lo- did not locate any human remains. Hmm. You know, as far Doesn't as operations at home goes, because the family took so long to report her missing, mm-hmm. maybe it could have been a standard operation at home. And they, and they didn't want her going to a regular hospital because they didn't want it reported on. So, so they had an operation set at home, and then she died. You think maybe she actually made it back home and then died in the home? Possibly. And the family just covered well, it up? Well, just it could have been like what we consider today, like a routine uh, routine surgery, and mm-hmm. it just, just went wrong. But it was a surgery she had at home versus going to a hospital, so that way it wouldn't be publicized. Yeah, and her name wouldn't be in any, in any records yeah. that anybody would have seen. And then she just didn't make it, so then little Louie got called up. Mm-hmm. There's that potential. Again, there's so there's potential for so many different endings. Um, so, aftermath. Years after um, she disappeared, 
numerous alleged sightings from all over the United States were still being reported. And police continued to investigate the reports, but all have proved to be false. Uh, the family also continued to receive letters from women claiming to be her. These were also investigated and also proved to be false. The case gained attention again in 1921 when, during a lecture in New York, uh, Captain John H. Ayers of the Bureau of Missing Persons claimed that her fate had been known to the Bureau and her family for some time. He refused to elaborate and would not say if Arnold was dead or alive, um, but the following day he claimed that he was misquoted and denied that Arnold's fate was known. So, apparently he came out and said definitively that not only did the Bureau know where she was or if she had died, but the family also knew. And then the day after that, somebody quoted him saying that that was, that was all baloney, mm-hmm. that he was misquoted. Um, in, the weeks, in, the, so in the weeks following Dorothy's disappearance, uh, Francis had spent, Francis, her father, had spent approximately $250,000 trying to find her and he continued to maintain that uh, he believed Dorothy had been kidnapped and murdered on the day she disappeared or shortly shortly thereafter. Uh, he died in 1922, in April of 1922, the father did. In his will, he intentionally made no provisions for Dorothy, stating that he was satisfied that she is not alive. Um, i got to be honest, though. I would, I would do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, if you hadn't seen her in, that's by that point it had been over ten years. Yeah, I've got other kids, other family members. Like, yeah, she was she was in the middle of four four kids, so, and maybe potentially more by that point. Um, but yeah, so he left her out of the will, thinking that she's dead, and the family attorney, that John S. Keith, um, said that Dorothy's mother, uh, Mary did not share her husband's opinion that the daughter had been kidnapped and murdered and remained hopeful that she was still alive. She died in 1928, um, in December of 1928. And shortly after her death, John Keith publicly stated he believed that Dorothy had committed suicide because of her career, because of her failed career. There's a lot of people mentioned in suicide. Yeah. A lot of people think that she killed herself. Yeah. But nobody's nobody knows for sure mm-hmm. um so that's pretty much that in pretty everything that i've just stated is all of the information that i could find on her on any on any website like everybody's got the same thing just restated mm-hmm. um so like there's they know when she disappeared i mean potentially the, given given the last known known whereabouts um, they have the potential there. So these are like the broken down theories. Um, so she could have died in the botched abortion. Multiple people claimed claiming, um, this happened and that, that she, that they disposed of the body. But the people that claim that were all convicts and not one could provide a bit of proof for their claims. And additionally, her behavior is not at all consistent with that of a pregnant woman. So nobody thought she was pregnant before she died. Mm-hmm. Um, they claim that her boyfriend could have got rid of her, the 42-year-old George Griscom, and... Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. He was 42. He was 42. Yeah. I just That just clicked. Yeah. He was almost, almost twice her age. So, All right. Yeah. Um, and they did not approve of them doing, being together. Well, uh, he still lived with his parents in Philadelphia. Hey, wait. They went to college together, and he was that much older? Maybe he was like a teacher. She's oh, but well, I mean, you could go to college at yeah, you can go, yeah, you can go any at any time. age, but so it's just it I just th- says that they both went to Bryn Mawr uh, hmm. University, which I'm assuming is a. I guess he could have been getting like a doctorate while she was getting a bachelor's. Yeah, and I think that I mean, I'm assuming that with that, with how wealthy the parent, the family was, maybe it was like a private school, and maybe the private institutions did things a little differently. You could go there for whatever you hmm. were looking to. Yeah. learn which i know age gaps especially farther back in the day were not uncommon but no it's still a little odd 20 years is a bit much but it's not like it's unheard of and even in today's standards yeah um and if you're happy good for you <laughs> you live a happy life yeah don't don't dispose of your 
your spouse no or your potential spouse if you found love love is great no matter the <laughs> age so so I, this is the thing i don't really understand though because he says that he wanted to marry her but from everybody that knew them to like knew of their relationship says that he was not a good boyfriend um the parents had tracked him down tracked him and his family down in italy and he had just dismissed all of the accusations that he had done anything to her right right out out, outright um so he just he claims not to know anything about her disappearance and then he spent money on advertisements for her to like come home like Mm. trying to get her name out there quite a bit you said thousands and that's in that time's money right yeah thousands for him and but maybe that was just to cover his tracks if he did actually possibly have somebody do something to her um I mean, if he was involved, he did a pretty good job of covering his. But the family never accused him, right? Well, they so they the mom and uh, and a brother went out to Italy uh, like three days after she actually disappeared. Initially, right? Asking him, um, only because she knew that um, she they just went to all of her you know acquaintances. Yeah, you're just trying to track down anything. Mm -hmm. But after that, they were they were never like we we think George might have. No, I guess not specifically. I think that Mm -hmm. they were all more on board with the suicide idea. Cause I feel like besides the mother, I feel like if anyone's going to say that the boyfriend did it, it would be the family that disapproved of the boyfriend. Right. You would think so. so. But apparently they didn't really, they didn't really find anything that I guess they didn't see murderous intentions or anything. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But totally. they didn't, they didn't say that. Um, another one is, is potentially that she did commit suicide. Uh, she had recently gotten rejected twice for the, from the publications and um again she was she had sent that apparently she had sent that letter to george griscom saying that she was depressed and uh called herself an, an accident and that her mother would never approve of her or well, her family in general would never approve of her or her work and then the last one is just that she ran away that a family friend um apparently a, a family friend reported seeing her in alabama with another man and a 43-year-old divorced clerk named Dorothy Arnold, born in New York and living in Manhattan, is listed in the 1930 United States Census. Is this the pre-plot for Sweet Home Alabama? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think not. Um, but that's, so that's, that's a really strange thing. That's, that's really kind of weird. They did, a, they did a census counting all the people in Alabama, and this would have been some years later because this is by the time she's four, it would have been 43. They say that a 43, year old Dorothy Arnold that was born in New York was living that, and that had lived in Manhattan was living in Alabama in 1930. No, that wouldn't make sense. Was she even 43 by then? Yeah. 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 She so yeah that's 20 years later. Yeah. So 43. Um, and she, and this woman is unaccounted for in previous census. Oh, so that she, she would have, she would have just gotten to Alabama by that, by hmm. that year. Apparently, or well, they do the census every, every ten. ten years. Yeah. So that decade. Um. So they don't know if if Dorothy had come home and hidden plain sight, or if her family knew where she was all along and just disowned her, um, or was considered dead to them for whatever reason. But the police closed the case a long time ago, and it's and it's a hundred percent certain that she's long been deceased. Because uh, again, she would be. If she was alive today, 133. She'd be old. She'd be. I don't think there's been. Oh. What's what's the oldest person? Noel. Lived old. until like what? <laughs> <laughs> what O O W O W D or O W E D? Ode. 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 Um. Yeah, but. So there's no way she's alive, but we don't we don't know how she died. Hmm. I think that the most likely, I feel like she could have potentially died in an abortion thing. Cause I mean, if she was kidnapped, then I feel like with that wealthy family, there would have been a ransom. Um, unless she just acted up and they killed her. But I mean, if she ran away, it's really weird that people were calling in claiming to be her. 
boyfriend never heard from her again. Family never heard from her again. So I don't know. I think I think the botched abortion is probably the most likely in my mind. Because hmm. I feel like that could have happened pretty easily back yeah. then. That the procedure could have gone wrong and oh yeah, for whatever for them to cover their own tracks, they just dispose of the bodies. Or it even could have went right, and she felt like she didn't want to go home after that. Yeah. Maybe maybe she told those people to tell whoever came asking that she was dead, because apparently they went and they said that she had died there mm-hmm. at, that, at that one uh, house of mystery. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 nobody knows how she died. Nobody knows where she where she ended up. And you're you're in the you're in the abortion camp. I. <laughs> That's, that was really that poorly I'm worded. I'm really sorry, you guys. Uh, yeah, so I, yes, but I do think that that's the most likely scenario of the given theories. Yeah, I think she either, I think she either got killed mm-hmm. or she, she moved. She ran away. Just ran away, didn't tell anybody where she was going? Yeah, I mean... From her perspective, life seemed to suck really bad. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about 1910. It's really easy to kind of pick up and restart someplace. Yeah. A lot more than it is now. Definitely. And you know, she had a pocket full of money. Oh, that's, and that's all it took back then. Yeah. Yeah, there was no, you know, uh, digital accounting for anybody. No. So if you if you had the money, you could they could just erase your name off of whatever they had you on. And yeah, that's easy. You, you don't exist anymore. You go get a get a train ticket. Your name doesn't have to be on it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, I suppose that could have been easy enough as well um, for her to have just up and gone to start a new life. I wouldn't even be surprised if she met. Maybe didn't even go initially with him, but met her boyfriend in Europe. Maybe not necessarily Italy where he was, mm-hmm. but in in Europe, and then just decided to stay there. And she was like, just, my family's going to ask, just don't tell them. Yeah. Potentially. But there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of sites that had information on her case. But like I said, every one that I saw had the same information, Mm -hmm. just maybe stated differently. Yeah. Well, it seems to be well documented. Yeah. For, I mean, for, for the little information that they had they've put together a pretty pretty decent picture mm-hmm. i mean obviously there's not a, a satisfactory ending but that's what makes it so yeah i expected something i expected i don't know them to find a tougher a tough of her hair or like any physical evidence. a shirt she left behind or or the half pound of chocolate that she made <laughs> off with <laughs> just melting on the side just me, yeah oh that's so sad yeah uh. um i mean whoever whoever Tucker, she she scored. Whoever did score, they got got some sweets with it. <laughs> Never mind her. Never mind they her. got chocolate. <laughs> they got their they got their chocolate fix. Never mind six hundred dollars. They got a half chocolate. a pound of chocolate. They're good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean that's that's the case of Dorothy Arnold. Mm-hmm. No, I think I don't really feel like this one's too mysterious, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like I feel like she probably just skipped town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like she probably just skipped town and no one tracked her down, and that was about it. Again, I feel like, yeah, I mean, because it's easy enough to do that back then. I feel now, having done this, having done an older one, because that was intriguing to me, um, next time I do, well, either of us do potentially a missing persons, if we do one that's a little bit more current, where once, you know, know, the era of technology has come in and Mm -hmm. there's a lot easier ways to find evidence here But you know, this reminds me of recent cases I've seen on, like, YouTube of, like, top weirdest missing cases. Yeah. Of And, and it's really not too different than ones from today. Somebody shows up, they have, like, the exact... Um, an exact order of events that took place that day with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, someone's like, yeah, they left the house, they were fine, didn't seem weird at all. Um, someone's like, yeah, they went to a convenience store... Today we can see the video of them going into the convenience store and leaving. Yeah. 
with a half pound of chocolate. <laughs> but it's key. But and after the video, there's no trace of them again. And it's like it's the exact same model. It's just you actually get to see the person is the only difference. Yeah. Which may give you a little bit more clues on if this person seemed nervous or anything like that. But it's essentially the same model. And after that, it's still pure speculation. Yeah. Yeah. But what? Next time, I probably go into one that's got a little bit more. Um, one that maybe still isn't conclusive but has more evidence or has more things that let me be a little more twisty yeah a couple like actual pieces of evidence that might have placed them here or there or yeah more people with with accounts of that person or well don't short sell yourself i still think you you gave us a good episode (laughs) um especially i think the my favorite thing to kind of chew on is anything with little louie yeah. With the father and his clues, for sure. I want to know what his clues were. Right. Um, Nobody knows. And, I mean, whenever Damn there's it, a boyfriend in the mix, there's always, especially an unapproved boyfriend. Yeah, when you got a rich, a rich, rich family. When you got a rich family. <laughs> yeah, happy Halloween. Uh, <laughs> when you got a rich family that doesn't approve of what you're doing. I mean, first of all, your career. Second of all, your, your choice in men. Yeah, anything's possible. So, I mean, there's definitely some some avenues on this one that's weird and it's got its got its fringy topic not fringy strange topics well at least it opens up a couple of different possibilities absolutely as far as what might have happened but so dorothy arnold you know what we're 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 starting hashtag hope for dorothy arnold hope for (laughs) we we know you're out there dorothy yeah still kicking it 137 133 133 yeah somewhere oldest person alive you know to quote possibly my favorite show chris Treger says the first person to live to 150 has already been born maybe it was dorothy arnold <laughs> could be chris Treger, isn't that that's parks and rec isn't it oh yes yeah oh yes. of course of course sitting in front of sitting in front of the ron burgundy uh ron burgundy i mean ron respect to ron it, burgundy ron, but ron swanson swanson thank you my bad. Pyramid of greatness Sorry, hanging behind great Jordan. I mean, look, they've got the you know they got the mustaches, <laughs> the, the honorable mustaches. But his pyramid of greatness. We are we are very much a household of um, Parks and Rec supporters. Absolutely. So, Pawnee, twenty twenty. Yeah, vote. Uh, vote nope. Vote nope. Mm-hmm. Vote nope. The only <laughs> political stance we will ever take on ever this show publicly. Vote, vote nope. nope. <laughs> For sure. Nope and Ben. But yeah, so this has been a good one. Um, guys, if you if you know of Dorothy's whereabouts, please contact us at creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com. We'd, yeah. We'd love to solve this one. If you happen to see anything that I didn't catch. If you find that half pound of chocolate, if you f- <laughs> let us if know. You find, if you find that chocolate somewhere, you know, submit it. Give it to <laughs> us. I'm sure it's probably not any good anymore, but I love chocolate. I'll eat it. <laughs> But seriously, guys, if you have if you have any stories of your own, we're talking ghost encounters, alien encounters. You saw Bigfoot behind your house. Uh, you rode Nessie last week. <laughs> uh, anything we we want to hear them. You no are matter, lucky and we want to know. No matter how ridiculous they are, we still want to hear them. Uh, we want to read them. We're interested. Uh, we would love to put them on the show with your permission. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the CC files, if we can we can get that one going. Yes. Um, and we're actually we're going to be putting up a little bonus episode to make up for missing Halloween. Yeah. Uh, Jordan has a very interesting personal encounter of a Halloween in his past that we're going to share for you guys. Oh, um, are we? Oh, oh, we're going to share it. it. Okay. It's so good. Okay, I went over I went over the crowd last night at the dinner party. All right, cool. So, reach us at creepycampfirepodcast at gmail dot com. And guys, don't forget to spread the word, spread the show, let people know that that are interested in this kind of thing. You know, check us out. Um, you said where are we most recently now? Where did we just? Uh, where's our latest re- listener? Um, how far are we reaching? Oh, our reach. Um, so we are in seven countries now. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, we're, we still That's haven't crazy. hit all fifty states, but we're international. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> all in stride, small baby steps. Hey, that's right. Hey, we're just happy anyone at all is listening. Yeah, um, that could be seven people, seven people. Yeah, totally. Plenty. That's not, it's, it's not plenty. It's not enough, but <laughs> it's a start. It keeps us going. That's the mo- that's the important thing. Yeah. 
but yes so reach us creepy campfire podcast at gmail.com um don't forget to spread the word share us on social media uh, tell a friend you know anything helps we really appreciate it and if you could leave us a review and subscribe to the show we'd That'd really appreciate perfect. it helps other people find it and you know maybe we get enough listeners going we might kick around the idea of of making some creepy campfire stickers something like that yeah a little um, creepy campfire merch yeah CC merch you know but that's in the future right now we're just trying to have some fun telling stories around the mm-hmm. campfire like our good old dorothy arnold yeah so poor dorothy until next time listeners remember stay toasty, stay toasty.